0: Hi, welcome to the Rocky River United Methodist Podcast, and I'm happy to be back with Paul this time. Paul, well, Paul was with us last time, <laughs> but Paul now is healthy and getting healthier, right, Paul?
1: Right, and I was last time, too, but <laughs> <laughs> that was a long time ago, I know. it's
0: true. Uh, we can only get better for Paul. Um, but yeah, so we're happy to be back, and we're going to be starting a new series. In this series, we're going to be talking about... Um, different people um in scripture um influential people right is that what we're going with interesting people yeah both of those i think yeah so um our first one for this podcast we're going to start with abraham which i know a lot of you (laughs) a lot of er everyone i'm sure who's listening has has heard of abraham Um, but we're going to delve in and we're going to pick three passages from the book of genesis and looking at uh, again, Abraham specifically, and then um, kind of um, looking at these pastors and what can we learn from them, what can we take away from them, what can we learn about Abraham's character, um, his obviously his faith, and, and such things like that, and what, what can we take away from it as well. Um, so that's what we have planned. So the next, what's next two weeks, we have different uh, people <laughs> i would say in the works but they're already there so <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna delve into two different um people in scripture so i want everyone hopefully everyone be in tune for that so we're gonna have paul start us off with genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 3
1: all right thanks Stephen. and, and we know that uh, as you listen you, you may not necessarily have a, a bible open in front of you uh so we'll try and we'll try and uh, read nice and clear and crisp um and uh Keep uh, referencing back to the, the text itself. Uh, but if you're in a position where you can uh, crack open a Bible or uh, your Bible app on your phone, whatever the case may be, I invite you to join us in uh, reading along Genesis chapter 12. This is the, the call of, of Abram. And uh, Stephen and I were discussing before the podcast, should we call him Abram or Abraham? Uh, for those who may not know, his, his name was uh, changed portion uh, of the way through his life by God. And, uh, and I don't know what we're going to call him. I, we're, we're just going to try not to go back and forth and confuse you. We, we discussed just calling him Abe, you know, to make things nice and simple. <laughs> so we'll see where it goes. But uh, this is Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So this is the the, the formal, the official call of Abram by God. Here in Genesis chapter 12, and, and Stephen and I are just going to toss around some, some thoughts, some points on uh, this brief passage before we move on to the next one and, and just work our way through some of these, these really essential um, uh, passages that speak to, to who Abram was and his role in Scripture. Uh, this first one, I, I think what I, I felt was important to do before we really dive into to specifics was was find its, its place in, in Scripture as a whole, put it within its, its context uh, so that we understand the importance of, of what we're looking at here. And uh, uh, Abraham is, is the first. You know, we have other characters we can look to uh, prior to him in Scripture uh, that we latch on to that we know a fair amount uh, about. Uh, but Abraham has a distinct role in that he's the first relationship that God really strikes up uh, that is, uh, is is going to be a, a succession of... of um, of his family line and, and future members of his family. Uh, there's going to be this ongoing relationship and, and one uh, one relative is going to build on the relationship of God with the past relative and the one before and the one before and all building towards, uh, big picture-wise, the establishment of God's people in Scripture, the Israelites, and uh, Father Abraham, we often refer to him as Father Abraham for that very reason. He is the, the primary patriarch to the eventual founding of the Israelite people. Uh, so this is an important uh, thing to understand, that prior to Abraham in, in Genesis, you have some neat stories. Uh, we learned some important concepts about God, about uh, his creation, about humanity, uh, through some people whose names we know, like uh, Noah and Adam and Eve and, and, uh, and Cain and Abel and some other folks. But um, this, is, this is, placing it in its context, this is an important um, uh, step in God's relationship with humanity in general, because he's beginning this ongoing saga of his relationship with not just Abraham, but what he's building towards, a relationship with uh, a a people group that is going to be used to represent his desire to be in relationship with all of humanity, and eventually is laying the foundation for uh, our understanding and our ability to receive the Messiah uh, come the New Testament. So I think it's important to place it in its proper context. And uh, with that in place, uh, to then understand the incredible uh, decision that Abraham is faced with here. And uh, in verse 1, the Lord says to Abram Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. All right, so so uh, Abraham is is here in this passage. He is seventy five years old. Is that what you uh, found, Stephen? Seventy five years old. Yep. Okay, so so seventy five. I don't know if anybody out there today is seventy five years old. <laughs> Stephen and I, at our ages together, we're probably pushing seventy five, right? I don't know if seventy five back then felt the same as it feels today, <laughs> right. uh, but that alone makes this a difficult task Um, and we also consider historically where we're at and and abraham uh, is living in a time where um, there's not a whole lot of transportation options communication options so uh, this this journey of his to go to a new place, to leave everything behind, it's a, a pretty permanent change. He's not going to find his way back to uh, hang out with his old uh, relatives, you know, on Christmas and Easter every year. He's not going to be able to FaceTime with them, you know, once a week. <laughs> uh, God is asking Abraham to to leave this uh, originally from Ur, and then he spends some time here in, in Haran. I'll, I'll, I'll pronounce it Haran. Um, he's, he's asking him to travel ultimately about a 400-mile journey to establish himself in this new area, uh, which with a bunch of people who he has never met that uh, probably uh, speak a different language, maybe worship different gods, and uh, know nothing about him. This is, this is a, a pretty big deal. And uh, the only thing that Abraham has to, to go on is this two-sentence promise uh, from God in which God is is detailing what he's going to do in response to Abraham's faithfulness if he decides to follow through with this. And really this sets the stage for what I think is the primary theme of not just this passage but all of Abraham's life and that is simply uh faith that is uh, the the need for us to have a a blind and unquestioning faith uh to to uh heed God's call no matter what it is no matter how old we are no matter what the circumstances uh to do what God is calling us to do. Uh so I'll I'll, I'll lay that out there as the foundation and see what uh Stephen wants to do to to build on that. Any thoughts on that or or further uh concepts in these three verses?
0: Yeah, and it- I would go back to again to looking at verse one and Abraham's call, and even the New Testament um, speaks to this in Hebrews chapter eleven, verse eight. Um, speaks to this this call by faith. I mean, uh, Hebrews chapter eleven is uh, sometimes called the Hall of Faith, just instead of the Hall of Fame, Hall of Faith. Mm. If you get that? Yeah. No. <laughs> um, but Hebrews eleven, chapter eight says, "By faith Abraham, when when called to go to a place." he would later receive as his inheritance obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going so it is just incredible when god calls abraham he said i'll take you to a land i will show you he doesn't give you a name for the land he doesn't give uh, what's the purpose of the land he doesn't give how far is he going to travel what's special about the land it's just he says i'm going to show you this land let's follow me and um, Hebrews 11 gives, <laughs> really gives credit to Abraham's faith here to trust God. And we also have to note, too, that Abraham, um, many scholars would say that Abraham um, grew up in an in a area with uh, a lot of gods, many gods, and that for Abraham to follow this one god um, was different um, from, wh- from where he grew up. So Abraham was essentially um, turning away from all other gods and all other idols to follow this god, um, the fall, of this God to a land that will a land that He will see that this God will show him. And so it's just a huge commitment. Abraham is committing to uh, one God. It's a huge commitment to leave his country, his people, his family, um, uh, to to travel out there. And and looking again as as Paul said, this promise, um, this two sentence promise is is really the the bedrock um, is a, is a bedrock verse um, that a lot of other promises are built off built up off of um the prophets will refer to this verse and you'll you'll see references to this verse and like i said the prophets and samuel and 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 other books of the torah which are exodus and deuteronomy and so this these this promise here is really a bedrock for throughout all of scripture because it's also referenced again in the new testament um which I want to speak on too—that that last portion of the verse, all peoples on the earth will be best blessed through you. Um, and I'm sure did you—I'm sure you dug into that last portion of the verse that um, all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. What kind of? What did you dig up on that?
1: In fact, I I did not, Stephen. <laughs> I didn't look into that at all. But as we read it today. Um, I I did uh, come to appreciate even more so this notion that uh, God's God's promise to Abraham included not just blessing him, right. uh, but just as important, I think, to Abraham, and and as you clearly did look into that a bit, you know, maybe you can enlighten us. But this notion yeah. that that it, it wasn't just Abraham himself that was blessed. More important, I think, to Abraham was that he would somehow be a blessing uh, to yeah. others, and particularly uh, yeah. leave some some sort of a legacy. Uh, behind and be uh, an, an an important like a pivotal um, player in the greater story of, yep. of humanity and, and particularly his his uh, family line, um, but yep. he's able to accomplish both because of God's incredible plans for him. Right. So, uh, did you have something you wanted yeah, to share? So, about that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um,
0: but yeah, no. Right along with what you're saying, um it. This promise kind of proves that Abraham was going to have a global, his family line, his, it's going to have a global impact, um, that, it, this also goes to the point that, and um, we always have to keep in mind that God always had, um, a vision for, um, having a global impact, because mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of times when, you, when we read the Bible, it is, um, a book that follows the, the Jewish line, um, and, and I think a lot of times, um, sometimes we feel left at like, why did God choose Israel? Why did God choose these these people? Um, but we see here that God chose them for a larger plan than themselves. They were chosen for the purpose of reaching others um, for God, and we see that here. And it says, "All peoples on the earth will be blessed through you." Um, and then Paul in Galatians quotes this promise when he, when when speaking about the gospel, he writes, "Understand then that those who have." who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So what Paul is saying here is that in this promise, um, it is advancement of the gospel that was to come thousands and thousands of years later in Christ. Um, that God already was working out a plan and, and, and we could see that plan in the promise given to Abraham to bless all the nations through him. And this is fulfilled and seen completely in Christ. Um, and we'll touch touch on this again later. Um, but this promise here was, again, a, a bedrock promise for, for all of Scripture. So next passage we're going to jump to is Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. Genesis 15, 1 through 6, again, looking at Abraham um, at an important and pivotal uh, point in his life. So, Abraham chapter f- Abraham, Genesis chapter 15, <laughs> verses 1 through 6. There's no book in the Bible called Abraham, so. There should be. <laughs> yeah, there probably yeah, should, should be. Poor right. Abraham. <laughs> um, so, this is God speaking to Abraham. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, a- well, Abram, Sorry, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is El- Eleazar, is that right? Yep, Eleazar. Of Dama- yep. Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, you have, given, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your hair. He will he took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Um, Abraham believed the Lord, and he accredited it to him as righteousness. Um, again a very, very famous passage. Um, and if Paul, you want to start us off with, just there's so much to take off. Yeah, holy well, In Cal- these pastors, there's just so much to, to pull out. There's
1: a lot packed in there. Yeah, uh, right. The first thing I'll say is this: this is at um, the least the the second time that God appears uh, to Abraham and and engages him in conversation. And, and the mm-hmm. one thing, uh, just kind of piggybacking off of what um, you alluded to in the last the last passage, what what was Abraham's Religion? What was his understanding of faith in God prior to God all of a sudden, you know, poof, here I am, poof, here I am, do this, do that, or, you know, I promise this, I promise that. Where was uh, Abraham? Um, in his faith or understanding of who God was, and and uh, the, the, one of the most agonizing things about Scripture to me is that uh, we don't get answers to questions <laughs> like that. Yeah, if yeah. God doesn't deem it necessary, He doesn't include that. So we <laughs> don't know um, what religion looked like uh, to Abraham and the people living in his time. Uh, but I, I gotta wonder, you know, what what uh, Abraham's notion, because. You know, for us living, we don't realize how blessed we are to live in this uh, in this time period, in this New Testament world, when we can found our faith upon not just all of the new testament jesus's teachings and paul's letters and uh, jesus's ministry you know and and the stories that that go with that but we also have all of the the old testament we have these people like abraham and moses and elijah and you know all these stories of these uh, these incredible uh people who lived and served and and laid a foundation for our faith Um, abraham had none of that right like he you know, maybe somebody w- would have told him a story about creation at some point, or maybe you knew about this flood thing that happened, um, you know, years before this. But it's it's really in, intriguing to me to, to ponder, right. you know, what Abraham's frame of reference was when, when God first appeared. Um, but with that being said, i think uh one of the most important things that, that jumps out at me in this passage and there's so many once again is this the the nature of god's promise uh to abraham and uh god takes him out i can't every time i i uh, hear this passage i can't help but think of the lion king with uh <laughs> with uh oh, mufasa yeah, 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 and right. simba and, and Mufasa's yeah. like do you see the stars simba <laughs> you know, oh, well, yeah, Those are the past kings of, you know, (laughs) looking down on us. uh, So I'm I'm picturing a scene like that. Here's God and Abraham. I was
0: picturing the other scene where, uh, again, we said, where everywhere the light touches, is our kingdom? Ah, so, yes. Yeah, yes. But yeah,
1: that that's good. You have that's the daytime point. scene and right, the nighttime yeah. scene. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wow, <laughs> the Lion King is yeah. full of beautiful <laughs> oh, illusions. Right. Uh, little did right. Disney know what they were doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. But uh, <laughs> this this notion that God basically tells uh, Abraham to look at the stars and and that's how how uh, how many how great your descendants are going to be your, your lineage, and I, I think what jumps out at me here is is that God is making a promise to Abraham and when God makes a promise he he means it right God's word is God's word and he's basically having Abraham look at the sky and see an infinite infinite number of stars yeah. and uh, so God's promises are radical like when he tells us he's going to bless us he he means he is going to bless us like bless mm. us bless us and uh, and I think we need to understand that that's that's what is available to us if we're willing to respond in, in the manner that Abraham uh, did and and trust God, and that's really very simply what God wants of Abraham and what I think we can learn from Abraham, his relationship with God that, that God wants of all of us, and simply to trust God at His word, and that's um, what God is asking Abraham to do here. But he he is not uh, God is not one to um, not. Offer payment in in response to uh, to receiving our trust or our obedience, and I think this is demonstrated in in the nature of God's promise, and then the fact that God uh, fulfills on the other side of this. Like he, he once again, he's not messing around. Abraham did uh, eventually, in a roundabout way, after being really old, popping out a kid when nobody thought he could. You know, he ends up uh, receiving the the fruits of. All of his years of obedience and faithfulness, and seeing his line end up uh, burst forth and and blossom like the stars of the sky. So I had some other other things, but um, I'll let Stephen jump in here. Anything in relation yeah. to that? Yeah, and I think
0: too, going along with that is that talking about the promises. I I think the promises were part of it, but also too, when we look at this, the beginning of verse 15, it also I think it reveals God's desire for personal relationship, which is also, I think, I I, th- I kind of think off the top of my head here, but I think it's a breaking of norms, too, because usually usually ancient idols and gods would only speak to the great the kings, and the, the kings would have or the priests would have direct contact with the gods, um, not someone like Abraham. Abraham, at this point right now, he's, he's no one great. Um he's a sh- he's a shepherd. He's herd like he's lowly. he's um, has no homeland. he's um, roaming the land and and constantly traveling. so he wouldn't be someone who'd be a king or high on the totem pole per se, but he had this unique relationship with God. Um, and the Lord begins with telling Abraham to trust him to not be afraid that God is his protector. And it's interesting also that God tells Abraham that, that God himself is Abraham's great reward. It's interesting because the great reward for desire, um, the great reward isn't wealth or power or lust or something like that, but God himself is the great reward for him. God himself is greater than anything that Abraham could ever receive, that there isn't one thing that Abraham could ever receive that would be a greater reward than knowing God personally. So this is a great indicator for Christians as well that God ought to be ought to be our great reward that we seek. That if that if we have nothing else, that if we have a relationship with God, we have everything. Um, and it's just interesting that God lays that out, and also that God is. I, I just imagine here that God is speaking to Abraham kindly because Abraham has have some concerns, right? Rightfully so, because it seems like how is this promise going to be fulfilled? I'm, I'm getting old. I'm already old when you <laughs> told me about the promise. I'm just getting older. Um, so he has some concerns and maybe perhaps even just doubts about, is this really going to happen? And um, and I can just imagine God here speaking in words of kindness and words of reassurance to Abraham that, listen, this, this, this promise will be fulfilled. I, I will fulfill um, the promise that I told you of years ago um, that still hasn't come to fruition. And you can just, again, um, just think of the great faith of Abraham in this moment to continue to trust God, even though he didn't see um, the promises yet that God has spoken of. So it, it just really speaks to, again, why Abraham is called the the father of faith.
1: So, um, anything else that you? Yeah, well, you know, this I I love that you, I didn't catch the whole uh, God is His His great reward thing, and and that um, aligns well with another thought that I had. This. Notion that when we when we read scripture, one of the things I think that causes us to miss God's point or miss um, God's you know overall message for us from from time to time is <clears throat> that God so often speaks in the spiritual and we can only receive in in the physical. At least we're we're trained <laughs> to, to only do so in the physical, and uh, I think God reinforces this notion throughout scripture that the spiritual is so much more valuable so much more important than I could um, you know I could rattle off or I'm sure Stephen could I probably could (laughs) rattle off a bunch of passages where uh, where God is is saying you know that uh, your relationship with me or uh, the the, uh, service that you do for others all of this is so much more valuable than anything you can achieve in this world and uh, so God here is Abraham's great reward. This relationship, as Stephen pointed out, personal relationship he was seeking to initiate with him was the reward. It's that valuable. Um, but also getting back to this this promise that God made to Abraham, you know that when it comes down to it. Um, you know a lot of people want to want to uh, you know pick and and uh, pry the bible apart and discern if god is is true if god uh, speaks truth and you know his promise to abraham that is his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Uh, when it comes down to it, you know, truth is, I don't know, maybe maybe you could count the stars in the sky and you could count the, you know, biological descendants of Abraham and maybe God came up one short or something. I don't know. But the, the what I think we need to read into this is, isn't just his biological descendants. It's the the spiritual descendants. Um, uh, just uh, outpouring yeah. that uh, Abraham creates through his faithfulness, this, this spiritual um, experience and opportunity that, that Abraham creates uh, for the people of Israel, but then uh, ends up being transitioned into to you and I and, and all Gentiles and, and uh, all of history. We have access to God because of Abraham's initial faithfulness. And to me, uh, his reward in, in accomplishing that for us uh, is so much greater than all the stars in the sky multiplied yeah. by billions upon billions. Uh, so I think that's just a, an important thing that we, when we read these passages, we're able to see the, the spiritual uh, beyond the physical and, and then somehow able then to pick up what God is really laying down for us. All right. And I
0: think also too, it's I think... Before we go on the next passage, you definitely can't go without mentioning verse 6 where Abraham believed the Lord and, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And that verse, is again, is quoted a lot through the um, New Testament. I think if, if you probably ask Paul what was his most significant verse in the Old Testament, you would probably you know, this might be one of them um, because, this again, this verse lays down the bed bedrock for the gospel and what does it mean to have faith in Christ and it's also interesting here too is that um, this faith is credit to him as righteousness Abraham didn't do anything but just believe the words of the Lord and it's the same what, how it is for our relationship with Christ is we don't we're not we can't save ourselves through our works we can't save ourselves through what we do our salvation is, is purely faith through grace uh, faith in Christ um, and because of the grace of God Christ's grace alone, um, and that's how we are saved. We we're saved by our faith in Christ, um, and that. so we see the similarities here in Abraham. Um, and Paul writes in Romans chapter 4, um, he says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what He had promised. Um, and this faith would be the bedrock of Christian faith. As for Christians today, um, that we um, follow Christ and that we're credited righteous in the eyes of God through our faith and trust. And Christ, and the promises of Christ, and the words of Christ, and um, also believe in the resurrection of Christ as well. Um, So, again, we have Abraham as as a prime example here in the Old Testament, as a prime example for us um, living um, for our lives way after the Old Testament, that
1: Abraham is still that prime example. And I think, you know, a lot of people think this is just some story about some old guy who, you know, <laughs> yeah. moved uh, from one town to <laughs> another back in, you know, whatever BCE. I mean, it's, right. yeah, God packed so much, um, so much depth and so much substance into uh, really, like we said, the first uh, story of his, his relationship with humanity that is ultimately building towards something so much bigger. Right. Uh, our, our last passage, we're going to skip over to Genesis chapter 22, if you want to hang with us. Um, and we're not going to read. This is a long, uh, longer story, <clears throat> and it will be familiar to many of you. Um, Abraham has, uh, has received some of his reward, and he and, and Sarah have uh, <laughs> born a son named Isaac. And uh, Isaac is uh, how old here? Uh, Stephen, he's, he's somewhere around 10, 12, or yeah, maybe it 10, doesn't say, and I'm just going to pretend like I know, <laughs> uh, I know he's not like 75. So he's, he's a child and uh, Isaac is, is, uh, you know, Abraham's, uh, greatest, um, and, and most valuable possession because he was a gift from God. He was a, the result of God's promise. And, of course, here we arrive at this passage that is so controversial, so difficult to, to, to understand, yet so key, uh, where God tests Abraham by asking him to take his son and sacrifice him, and, and to uh, sacrifice at the time the sacrificial system, this notion that really had uh, maybe existed in pagan culture at the time, Um, that God hadn't really established yet with his people in the way that he was going to, uh, but this notion of making a sacrifice, basically giving a gift to the gods. So God asks Abraham to sacrifice uh, his son to kill him, offer him as a sacrifice uh, to show his devotion, his commitment to God. So, uh, you know, casual readers here are probably stunned by the twist, the turn in the story, those who have not seen it before. Uh, Chapter 22 Verses 1 through 8 kind of set that up. And we're going to pick up just reading in verse 9. God had asked Abraham to take Isaac up onto a mountain. And verse 9 says, When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord. That because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. So that's uh, one of the more uh, one of the more. Wow. Mm, yeah. uh, wow stories. We'll just go with that. One more wow <laughs> right. stories in all the scripture as we try to um, process what's going on here and, and what impressions we take uh, of God and of his interaction here with Abraham. Uh, you want to start us off, Stephen, with uh, how, how can you wow us with your yeah. response <laughs> to this wow story? Yeah, I don't know if
0: I'm going to wow anybody, but um, yeah, this is definitely, again, uh, a passage that. Um, like all the other passages that we chose, is a passage that holds a lot of weight to it, and is referred to a lot in the in the scriptures. Um, and this again, this passage is an iconic passage for several reasons. But I want to focus on again the faith of Abraham. Again, Abraham proves his faith in God by being willing to give up what m- was most dear to him, and even after God had promised to give him a son, Abraham is willing to give up God's fulfilled promise. Um, he's f- willing to give it up to God. Um, this is an, an obedience that only develops after years of trusting in God and, and watching Him deliver. Um, and this event also is in the is also in the midst of. Um, it's also mentioned again. This event is mentioned in Hebrews chapter eleven again. The same event, same chapter that mentions Abraham's faith. But this is Hebrews chapter eleven verses seventeen through nineteen and it mentions this this very specific event it says by faith abraham when god tested him offered isaac as a sacrifice he who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son and even though god had said to him it is through isaac that your offspring will be reckoned Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so, in a manner of speaking, he received Isaac back from death. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, the writer of Hebrews here acknowledges this huge um, moment of faith and trust in God. That even in this moment, when Abraham is is probably is is moments away from killing his son. Um, Abraham still believed really I would say in the goodness of God and still believed that God would raise his son from the dead and and that's how how um, strong that Abraham or how much faith that Abraham had in God's promises and again like I said this develops over times and over over years of trusting in God and, and also too that's just um, again an example for us as Christians that um that hopefully our faith is getting stronger year by year and day by day. Um, that I, That's why I love how the Bible uses so many seed analogies or plant analogies because faith is like a seed. It is, it is like a plant. It grows over time. It takes time. It's not instantaneous like our society. We want everything instantly and quickly, but faith does not operate that way at all. It's, it's a slow, slow growth. That over time, hopefully, our faith is growing, like Abraham's was, to the point where he's willing to give up his, um, willing to give up his his one and only son, um, the promise that, um, the promise, and really, um, so yeah, there's a lot to take away from that.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's important that we also grapple with um, our perception of God in this passage. Yep, right. you know what? How do how do we make sense of God's actions, His request of of Abraham um, because, you know, even even us, even we've been taught in our lives that, you know, there's no take-backsies, right? You don't no. give somebody right. a gift and then ask right. for it back. <laughs> um, so I, I think the important piece is, one, this is this is the Old Testament. So this is pre-blanket uh, of grace to cover everything that Jesus brings and introduces through his right. his death and resurrection. So this is pre-that. So this is uh, Old Covenant. Uh, this is basically, uh, the consequences of sin equals death. That is the rule that uh, the world operated under at this time and place, and nothing had been done to alter that. So uh, in a relationship that God is going to have, we talked about God establishing this individual relationship with Abraham. Um, Abraham can be a swell guy, and he can be near the best guy in the world, but He's he's still a, a human, right. and Far he's still from perfect. exactly he's, he lives under the, the fall of humanity, yeah. people's sin. And uh, so in order to, um, I think, uh, grow his relationship with Abraham and prepare him for the role of leading his people, but also, I think, to demonstrate to you and I, reading this thousands of years later, uh, how things were back then and really set us up for the incredible gift that Jesus Christ is for us. uh, God has to establish that this is what it looks like under the old rules. This This is how things operated. If you wanted to be in relationship with God, you had to prove it. You had to earn it. Uh, you had to be perfect. And uh, so God pushes Abraham to the limits. He's already asked everything of him. So he thought, uh, turns out there was one thing more that he could ask. And who would have thought it's the very thing that Abraham had prayed for uh, for decades and decades and God had promised him. Um, and and now all of a sudden, God is threatening to, to take that thing away. The very thing that Abraham loves the most. And uh, if you heard the phrase, um, Abraham, you've given me your only son. You know, I think that's meant to connect us back to John 3.16 and, and make us think ahead of, of God's uh, sacrifice that he was not only willing to make, just as Abraham was willing to make it, but he went through with it in giving up his only son. So this, this establishes the way things were in the Old Testament. Basically, um, if you wanted to be in relationship with God, You had to pass the test, not because God was cruel and he wanted to see us suffer, but because uh, he was perfect and we were not. And uh, we had to prove our our commitment, our devotion to him uh, was without limit. And then secondly, uh, it sets up um, this notion that, that God loves us and even this passage where you know this dude's about to off his own son even this passage sets up the beauty of god's grace because it prepares us for this ram in the thicket that for us uh, becomes jesus christ that takes the place of us and our sons and our loved ones and everybody else on the cross. And uh, so we do not need to be sacrificed for our shortcomings. Uh, the ram or Jesus is sacrificed in our place. So we see, even in this this passage that is so violent and, and horrific, uh, a reminder of God's incredible grace and the act of love uh, that was going to occur You know, years down the road when God remedies this, uh, the nature of the relationship between Abraham and he, uh, where people don't have to be perfect anymore because he's paid the consequence for our uh, weaknesses, for our lack thereof. And so I think, once again, placing this in its larger context and all that it demonstrates, it's, it's not just about God and Abraham and Isaac and, and uh, that little uh, little story. It's about the bigger narrative of all of Scripture and all of humanity. And there's really a a lot of beauty in this, uh, despite the fact that it was a historical event that, uh, at the very least, I think, ruined Abraham and Isaac's day. Don't you think? (laughs) Right. And and would Isaac ever have been able to trust his dad again? Like, seriously, Dad? You were going to... Yeah. So that's that's my main takeaway. I got another thought. You want to jump in with anything, Stephen? Anything popping? Yeah, yeah, I
0: want to hear... Um, what else do you have?
1: My, so my last, so this, this <laughs> yeah. So here's my last little nugget. This is verse 16. Uh, looking back at it, this is, this is so profound. It's the kind of thing that we would just skip right on by if we didn't put the time and attention into it. Uh, God says, um, well, this is the angel of the Lord, starting in 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So God uh, God reaffirms his, his covenant with Abraham uh, and promises by swearing by himself. I've never heard in my entire life, I've heard people say, I, I swear to God or I swear by all that's holy or I swear by... Uh, you know your 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 mother's life, or you know other sorts of crazy, bizarre things. I swear by myself. God says this, and I'm not going to take the time to read it for you. But uh, there's a reference to this in Hebrews six. 13 and 19. We've been doing a lot of Hebrews today. Yeah, right? but the authors of the two books must have been chummy. they got all <laughs> this paired up beautifully. Right. But uh, this reference in Hebrews 6 that, that uh, talks about this passage and says, God swears by himself because there's no one greater to swear by. You know, when you, you want to swear by something to show somebody that you really mean it, you pick something greater, something more valuable, something more authoritative. God doesn't have to do that uh, because... When God says something, he means it because he is God. And at the end of the day, that's, to me, the most important takeaway for us in this, uh, in this entire passage, and the entire life of Abraham, is that God's word is God's word. Uh, he even comes back in, in, uh, in the Gospels. Uh, Jesus touches on this, and he tells he tells the people in the middle of the sermon on the mount he tells them let your yes be yes and your no be no basically if you if you say something mean it and uh, if you tell a story make it true like you know basically be people of integrity because you want to be holy as I am holy god is god and it sounds so simple yet It's so difficult for us to wrap our minds around this, that that when God says something, he means it. If only we could live our entire lives actually taking God at his word, that he really means what he says. Everything would be totally different. I would be a totally different person, and uh, doing a lot, you know, a lot more and and better, and be a better person. Would I'd you
0: still be a Steelers fan?
1: Oh, for sure. Like because <laughs> that that uh, that came to me in a vision and it right. very clear, God. You know, but that's a story for another time. Um, but yes, the answer is abundantly yes. <laughs> But if, if only we could get this through our heads. Uh, when God says, I love you, he means I love you. When God says, go, uh, because I'm going to do A, B, and C for you, he means go. But he also really means I'm going to do A, B, and C for you. Um, if if we could you know, have one superpower, if I could have one superpower, you've been asked that question, uh, it would be to take god at his word without fear without hesitation and just trust and obey no matter what it is that comes from god's mouth abraham as as well as anybody else in all the scripture he accomplishes that early on sets the bar for what faith is supposed to look like and uh, he's never been a a guy like these stories you know are, are pretty cool there's some pretty Pretty uh, crazy ones later on that I get more excited about, but uh, <laughs> Abraham is is the ultimate example of faith, and there's there's not really anybody else that tops him in my book. So, right. any other thoughts, Stephen? Before we, uh, no, I think that I think that does a uh, good job
0: of wrapping it all up. I mean, of course, I feel like it's kind of like a reading rainbow moment right now. If you, <laughs> it's in a book, so take a look <laughs> if you want more information on Abraham. Go to your local library. I mean, want <laughs> <laughs> more information on Abraham, go to the Bibles, go to the Scriptures. You're gonna find it all in Genesis, and um, is it's an amazing? The
1: libraries are closed. <laughs> yeah. Genesis yeah, is like,
0: good. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I think that does a good job. But Abraham is definitely uh, one of the key figures in the faith and. And you can see reasons why, but also, like we said earlier, he's definitely far from perfect. Matter of fact, if you read up on Abraham, you can see all the things that he did not do right, mm-hmm. um, which even makes God's um, God's faithfulness to Abraham and God's fulfilling the promise to Abraham even more amazing. That you see that Abraham was not a perfect person at all. And, and matter of fact, I would say all the. Biblical figures um, were not perfect um, by any means, and, and the Bible doesn't try to sugarcoat it, which, actually, to be honest, should be an encouragement for us um, that we worship a God who's who loves us even through our shortcomings. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think, it, I think it does a great job wrapping it up.
1: Cool. Nothing like a LeVar Burton moment to <laughs> to uh, to bring our episode to a close. I, i'm sorry i was still stuck on the reading rainbow <laughs> reference but um thanks for thanks for bringing us to a wrap here Stephen. um this is going to be fun we're, we're going to come back with more of these uh, characters and dig even deeper we're going to uh, mix in some some interviews as we can convince people to actually be in the same room with us you know we'll get back to those at some point and uh we're just going to continue staying with you uh throughout this uh, pandemic And trying to stay connected, trying to keep learning, trying to keep challenging ourselves, never be content with where we're at in our faith and our knowledge of Scripture, Uh, always continue to grow. And I hope uh, that's a challenge you can take on as well. Um, Good uh, spending some time with you folks. Have a great week. I hope to see you in the parking lot. 8.30 or 10 on Sunday if that's uh, your thing. And if not, uh, I hope and pray you're staying connected through the live stream and and other opportunities. Um, But uh, uh, church family, we love you, we miss you, and have a great week. We'll be back with you next week.